Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, everyone? We're back for episode number 70 of the Deep Drive podcast. Uh, We're in the final stretch of the season. You know, a lot of the division races and playoff situations have kind of sorted themselves out with the exception of, you know, one division at this point with the NL East. Uh, though the Mets have kind of taken uh, control of that division a little bit by getting that game in the loss column and still having the head-to-head advantage. Uh, but, you know, this month has kind of been very conclusive in the sense that teams that were in pursuit of playoff spots or in pursuit of divisional spots, um, they fell off or the team that they were chasing finally got hot, corrected themselves, uh, which, uh, you know, makes for less dramatic fall baseball. But, you know, um, it still is worth discussing. So, uh, James, you know, we, we, I guess we'll start with the American League here, uh, focused on a uh, divisional series that was played between Cleveland and Chicago, where the Guardians basically won the American League Central. Uh, I believe they're up seven games in that division. Yes, seven games in that division, um, seven in the loss column, at seven on the dot, and they have a 99.9% chance to win the division. They took the season series against the White Sox, so they're essentially eight games up. So uh, the... Yeah. The episode like two weeks ago, we were talking about how the Guardians have five against the Twins and four against the White Sox and, and three against the White Sox. And they would, their season is like those eight games, right? They sweep the White Sox, three game sweep, after they win the series again, the five game series against um, the Twins, four to one. So they go seven and one. Um, they're now 60. Uh, 67 losses, and the White Sox have 74. There's seven games ahead of them in the yeah. loss column. Well, eight because of that tie break. They won the right. season series. This division's over. We thought this one would come down to the stretch. You know, it it would it would have appeared that way, but Cleveland's broken broken away, and I mean, at this point, they'd have to they'd have to basically lose out to lose the division. Yeah, and kind of in an interesting sense, I mean, I'm not saying that you were that Cleveland was a bad team coming into the season, but I don't know how many people nobody thought they were gonna be this good. I remember we thought they'd be like a fourth place team. Obviously, in this division, there's the Royals and Tigers, so maybe third, but even then, like that was like an 81 win team, if even you know, like a 500 team, um, at best. Uh, at least what I would have thought, but then here they are. You know, they might win 95 games. Uh, no, they'd have, to, they'd have to win out to win 95. But th- they might win 90 games, and that's somewhat shocking. Yeah, winning, going 7-5 and five will get them to 90 wins for the first time since 2019, I believe. Um, and considering, you know, they traded, you know, if you look at the players on that team and compare them to now, they had Lindor on that squad. That's a notable uh, loss. You know, Kluber was still on that team, though he was injured, wasn't a main factor on that ball club. Same thing with Carrasco. Uh, Clevenger was a big part of that team. You know, they had Bauer for half of the season there. Um, they had Fran Mill. And, you know, I think they traded for Fran Mill that uh, deadline. Uh, and so that's one of those big pieces they expected to, you know, one of those trades that they expect to get more out of. Uh, and Franville didn't necessarily pan out and they're still looking, I mean, they traded basically an all time great rotation, uh, and turned it into surplus value. All of those guys have gotten worse or had reasons why they haven't produced the way they should have. Um, and then the one that they kept has turned out to be the best of the, the best one. Right. And there were concerns about Bieber with the velocity drop, but Bieber has become 
I think B- Bieber is safely, you know, in that top 15, top 10 starter conversation. He's putting up numbers similar on a per rate basis to his 2019, 2021, where he was throwing a little bit harder. Um, he's gone less to his fastball. He's more of a breaking ball first guy. We have a plus breaking ball. Uh, and this is a league where guys are throwing their fastballs less. You can opt into throwing those pitches more and it's more common teams. You know, the, the guardians are a very forward thinking organization. Um, this team has accomplished a lot. This organization has accomplished a lot. I know a lot of people are not the biggest fans of the Guardians' play style offensively, but it's worked. Um, we've seen them do things oh, I like love this. It. I think it's, you know what? I think it's fun. I think Stephen Kwan is a fun player. You know, if people want to say Stephen Kwan. I know Kwan there's going to be like the new age, you know, people who are like, you know, put, right. put the ball over the wall more than the Cleveland Guardians do, but they're fun and they, will slap hit you to death. Similarly, like we were saying last episode to the Mets, only they're more likable in a sense. Um, but yeah, if you look at what Shane Bieber's done, you know, he's gotten hot at the right time. They've won his last four starts, which has been huge because they've been in two against Minnesota and one against Chicago. Those are huge starts, his last three starts. Um, 7.2 innings, 8 innings, 6.1, 8, 7, 7, 6.1, 7, 7. Like he's going out there, he's giving you basically seven innings per start of just, you know, one run, basically every start, if right if even. If you want to expand this sample and include, you know, a game against Baltimore when they were still in playoff contention, a game at Seattle, uh, a game against the White Sox, a game at Toronto. I mean, you're looking at what? One, two, eight, three, four. Eight, those are eight starts of a one, eight, eight, eight ERA. And against seven teams in the American League playoff contention, right? And the Averaging Kansas City Royals, he averaged but, over he averaged over seven. Well, oh yeah, and he averaged over seven innings to start. Um, he didn't get rocked. I mean, people have always had the narrative with Bieber, and part of this is because of that playoff disaster he had in 2020. That had he pitched in any other division. Was he if he this or that or whatever it may be, he would not be a good pitcher or he's only good because he pitches against the central. And I don't deny that picking in the AL central is potentially easier in terms of quality of opponent, but you can't build, you can't get us have a sustainable 71 ERA minors or, you know, you can't have sustainably great production over an extremely large sample simply because you're good against uh, bad teams. I just don't think that's, that doesn't make any sense statistically, right? You're not only pitching, against uh you know bad teams he's pitched well against very good competition i mean a start at toronto uh and he goes seven innings of two run ball uh, and strike out six and walk none and give up zero home runs i mean um i don't really know he's a great he's such an underrated game one starter i think a lot of people talked about you know oh what if you have to face manoa or gosman or you know but no one's saying you know you're gonna have to face Bieber. bieber And Bieber's and so, tough, and McKenzie is tough too. McKenzie right now, he topped off, and I believe he had a great outing against the White Sox yesterday, uh, or maybe had been a, uh, in, in that series. Uh, no, yeah, it was he not yesterday. Yeah, he threw eight shutout uh, two days ago. Yeah, he went eight innings. Oh, no, two no, runs, not shutout. Strikeouts. He threw eight innings, two, two runs, no walks, 13 strikeouts. Yeah, Which is, in, you know, in my opinion, that's better, no walks versus no earned runs. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, a, a 19.6% strikeout to walk percentage, you know, he doesn't get hit particularly he gets hit particularly hard, but he doesn't give up enough damage that you're concerned that he's going to get crushed in a playoff game. Yeah, and I mean, since the beginning of July, McKenzie's thrown 100 innings in 15 starts, so over six innings to start, 6.2, that would be. 
um, 2.25 ERA, 2.83 fit. Uh, he's really turned it on in the second half here and kind of, you know, he's becoming one of the best pitchers in the American League, especially given how young he is. He's, what, 24, 25. Um, definitely, like, a scary one, too, that isn't being mentioned enough. I think they're flying under the radar, especially given what Gosman and Manoa have done in Toronto and then what Ray and Castillo are for Seattle. And and especially now with George Kirby um, and Logan Gilbert, that's a scary rotation in Seattle. But I think Cleveland is pretty close, especially in a three-game series. Yeah, I, I don't think it's crazy to say that, you know, the, you you look at that one-two punch the same way you look at these other teams uh, in terms of the top of the rotation. Yes, the you offense. You know, other than the Mets. I well, I mean, they, I meant, I was talking like, about I think, wild Yeah, I know, teams. but I think you can actually compare these two to any one-two punch in the playoffs. Yeah. Except, except for the, the Mets. I mean, I think you could say that about any team. You really can't compare any team's one-two to whatever. To right. Um, but I will say this, you know, if people are saying, well, you know, the Guardians offense isn't necessarily great, which I agree with, they play remarkably good defense. They are a pretty good base running team in terms of position player war this season, notable AL contenders they're ahead of, they're ahead of, you know, they're ahead of Tampa Bay. Uh, they were ahead of, you know, the White Sox, Baltimore, Boston for most of the season. Uh, they sat comfortably above San Diego. You know, they remind me of, of San Diego in the sense that both of them don't hit very well. But the difference is Cleveland's a remarkably good defensive team. They're a better base running team. And I just, San Diego has great pitching. But do they have... Okay, how do I put this? If you look at the rotation, Clevenger's really struggled this year. Mania's yeah, but really I mean, you look at... Year. I'm talking about in a short series, you're looking oh, at okay. Snell, who's been just great. Yeah, he's like he's, two, three months. He's really turned it on. Snell, Darvish, um, Musgrove. And Darvish and Musgrove. And then Musgrove, yeah. who has, hasn't been as good um, since he's he started the season off really well, obviously. Um, and Darvish has been, I think, quietly one of the best pitches in the league this year. Um, yeah. Not really talked about much. He had a huge start last week, I think, where he threw like seven shutout and threw a bunch of strikeouts. I don't remember against who exactly. But um, yeah. So you look around the league and basically every playoff team has a formidable one too that can, you know, win you a wild card series. And I saw someone rank them. Uh, I didn't like look too much into it, but I think that'd be an interesting thing to do at some point um, just because of how short the series are and how much starting pitching matters in a three game series. Yeah. And, you know, I, I kind of, I, I guess my point more so is I, I mentioned that that six seed in the American leagues, an easier route, you know, facing Cleveland and then the Yankees versus facing Toronto or Tampa in the first round and then the Astros in the DS. Um, but I will say, uh, you, you know, it's not because Cleveland isn't very good. Cleveland's a good baseball team. I think, you know, I think the Rays and the Jays are better. Um, I think they're also, those teams came into this season far more equipped to go out and compete than the Guardians were. The Guardians were not a team that was anticipated to go out and do this. Cleveland was not a team that was necessarily at this point in the timeline. They were one year removed from a disastrous, you know, 2021 where they established themselves. Hey, we're rebuilding. Um, they've built up the bullpen. Uh, they've built up that top of the rotation. I think we talked about this in previous podcasts, talking about how, you know, the Guardians are probably going to start looking to how they can fill in those middle spots in the rotation, get more quality arms in there. Cause we've talked about, well, I mean, yeah, but then you look at it at the same time, you know, you'll get Daniel Espino up in right. a year or so, not even maybe. Um, Depends on and, how healthy he is. And yeah, you, but even if you don't, you already have three guys 
who you can kind of trust to throw a lot of innings, stay healthy, and be great um, with Bieber, McKenzie, and then Quantrill, who's actually had a really solid year despite the lack of strikeouts. Um, it's almost the way that they play offensively. Not a lot of homers, not a lot of strikeouts, just winning. Yeah, and it works for them. You know, we can question the sustainability of it, you know, as we get more years of this kind of group of guys. But I don't think Cleveland is stupid enough to go out and try to say, yeah, you know, I don't think Cleveland's sitting here saying this is the best we'll put out over the next three years. They've got more guys coming. You know, they brought up Cody Morris, and I know the peripherals haven't been great for him, but um, he's kind of shown a little bit of a uh, promise there. The ERA is good. The peripherals are not, but in AAA, he pitched pretty well. Uh, he got a lot of strikeouts. You know, he's 25. He'll turn 26. He'll have his age 26 season next year. He has a decent forcing fastball. Um, they seem to be able to take guys like McKenzie. You wouldn't say has elite stuff. Same thing with Shane Bieber. I wouldn't argue he has elite stuff at this point in his career with the velocity he's at right now, but they're getting results and sustainable results. So I look at Cody Morris as maybe a guy they can turn into like a four or five guy, kind of like a better version of what they're getting from Plezak and Savale. If Quantrill's your five, if Morris is becomes a solid four, if you have, as you mentioned, uh, if you have, you know, their farm come in and kind of give you uh, a three starter, you know, with, I mean, we, we know this team can put together elite rotations. I mean, this is the same team that in 2018 rolled out that dominant rotation. You know, we've, we've seen this team be able to do it. The track record is there. Um, but, you know, shout out to the Guardians because I, I would argue, you know what, in terms of organizations, you look at the Royals, they're a shit show. The Tigers are kind of finding them, trying to find, you know, themselves. They, I really recently hired uh, a new president of baseball operations uh, because they were a shit show with Al Avila um, running the show. Uh, if you look at the Twins, they're meh. I don't know how I feel about them organizationally. Um, you know, it feels like they get injured a lot. You know, maybe that's an organizational thing. Maybe that's just a luck thing. And then you look at the White Sox. We know they're a shit show. Uh, so I look at Cleveland. They're the best run team in this division. The AL Central is not a division of teams that will spend. You're not going to be worried about teams, you know, crushing you in the financial department to the point in which you can't compete. You know, you're not, there's no New York Mets. There's no New York Yankees, Los Angeles Dodgers, even Texas Rangers type team that's going to spend stupid money um, and bring in some superstar player to change the division. Um, you know, we saw that with Minnesota with the Twins with Correa, but he's probably leaving after this year because he's had such a strong season. Um, so you don't really have to worry about those things. Uh, they've set themselves up for a pretty, pretty strong run at, you know, winning AL Central title consistently kind of like how he did in 17 18 uh 19 uh and um this year so we'll we'll uh, 2016 of course uh, another year where they were they won they won the fucking pennant so yeah um yeah i mean i definitely think cleveland is heading in the right direction especially given that people didn't expect this from them they were not supposed to be good this year they're supposed to be entering a rebuild and here they are you know even just making the playoffs i think is a huge success for this franchise this season especially given you know lindor was gone um bauer obviously is gone um you know carrasco they traded clevenger they traded uh kluber they traded like within the past even three four years there's been so much turnover but yet they're still so good um it helps with how well they did in the lindor trade even though jimenez has obviously not been as productive as lindor uh he's pretty damn close he's had almost six he's i think he's gonna put up a six win season um, which is just incredible given what he was doing in New York, what they've been able to, you know, turn him into. And then, um, you know, you, you look down the American League uh, wildcard race, the Blue Jays are getting hot and the Mariners are um, falling off a little bit. 
So that'll be an interesting to, thing to watch uh, to see who ends up actually getting that one seat uh, in the wild card, the four seed, and gets to host Tampa Bay. I know there was a report, um, uh, not gets to host Tampa Bay, gets to host the other one, but Tampa Bay would be it right now. There, I know there's been a report that Toronto would be willing to start Manoa to try and get that um, spot. I don't know how I feel about that, really, because... I think you might want to save them for the actual wild card games, but these teams really seem to be depending on this home field advantage. Um, so we'll see what happens in the American League. Baltimore now is only four games out. They were five something the other, a couple weeks ago, about a week ago. Uh, and even with them losing so many games, um, you know, they lost a series to the Tigers, lost a series to the Blue Jays, which you, you know, you can't be losing those type of series, especially the Tigers if um you're trying to make the playoffs here but they beat the astros last night we'll see what they can do in the coming weeks um next in the final stretch of the season because it's possible that they still make the playoffs the problem is you know the Rays started sliding a little bit they didn't play you know they played a tougher part of their schedule um i know they they beat the crap out of the blue jays last night uh but they were you know sliding a little bit had hadn't played their best uh i believe they lost series to the yankees they lost series to someone else in between the astros if i'm not mistaken um but you know that was an opportunity for them to gain ground and they kept losing you know if you look at that tiger series that's going to end up haunting them a little bit because i think you know you, you look at those tigers if you were to swept the tigers um you, you probably two back of the rays right now you don't play the rays head to head anymore and i believe the rays might have won that head to head series uh, they've always played the Orioles well. So I'm just assuming that maybe I'm wrong. Uh, so you're, you're maybe five back uh, when you account for that. They have to, they do play the Blue Jays, which is, you know, they play them one more time, you know, maybe. You know, they don't play them well, but, you know, if they can maybe. catch lightning in a bottle, win the game, win a couple games there, you know, I think they have a three-game series, right? So if you win right. two of those three, you gain a game on them. You win all three, you gain three games on them. That would be huge for the Orioles. So there's definitely a possibility even if it's low, whereas with like the White Sox and the Twins, I think the Twins might as well be eliminated being under 500 at this yeah, point. Yeah, they have a 0% uh, chance to make the playoffs, according to Fangraphs. So um, they're out. And the White Sox still might have like a, you know, one or 2% chance, but I just don't think it's going to be them. It almost seems like unless Baltimore, you know, does something crazy here, that these teams are set. The six teams that will be playoff teams in the American League are set, whereas in the National League, there's still some movement um, with Milwaukee being just 2.5 games back. Yeah, Milwaukee, again, another team I kind of talk about the same way I talk about um, what the Orioles did. I mean, they've had opportunity after opportunity to fucking get back in this thing, and they just, like, the, the Phillies lost, what, five in a row? That should be your opportunity to put yourself within a win. Um, and they're three back in the loss column of the Phillies. You're three back in the loss column of the Padres, who had a miserable month of August, did not play very well after the deadline. The Brewers collapsed. They didn't play as well in the second half. You know, if people want to say it's, I don't think it's because of the, the Bader, no, not the Bader, the Hater trade. I think it's because, you know, no, it has nothing to do with well. that. Right. Hater sucks, anyways. He's been terrible. So if they had him, it would have, this might have, this problem might have gotten worse. Um, I mean, but the if, shit that the Dodgers are doing is fucking insane. They're 104 and 46. And I believe they have um, a six-game series against the Rockies to end the season, so they'll be able to stat pad that win total a little bit. Maybe if grab. they want to. Yeah, if they want to, they they can cross 110 wins. They're projected for 111. I think they'll get the, to that 110 win threshold, which yeah, I don't which think would be seen. the best team since the Mariners, I think. 
Yes, yes, because the Mariners won 116, and I don't think there's a team that's won. I, th- I remember the Red Sox won. The Red Sox won 108. Right, but I don't think there's been another one. Maybe in like 2004, 2005, but um, I just I don't think so. Um, Mets Braves is kind of looking like the Mets are going to win that division uh, pretty yeah. easily now. They got three against the Athletics here, so they should be able. You know, if they if they win the games they're expected to win, they should win their next five and then go into that three-game series at the Braves that we've been talking about. But, um, you know, remember, the Marlins and the A's are very winnable series. And remember, the Braves essentially have to sweep that series because of the head-to-head thing. The Mets, if they take two – if the if the Braves take If two the Mets three, win one game, they win the head-to-head. They, right. So the Braves are playing, you know, they, they've got to do – a lot of things have to go right for them. The Mets just kind of have to right the ship. They just can't have a historic collapse type – not historic, but they can't have, like, a horrific – stretch of the season here they just got i mean they've got what 11 games left you can't you can't go four and seven right and even if and if you're gonna go four and seven beat the braves right just beat the braves the nationals right if you if you beat the braves you'll win the division and the braves they have they're in more desperation mode they kind of need the a's to do a job they need them to go in there they need to go in there yeah but the thing is like if the braves don't win the division they might be set because you get the four seed. You get San Diego, who's kind of fallen off a lot. But, you know, three-game series, anything can happen. The thing is, even if, again, it's 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 as simple as, you know, a 60% chance to get out of that first round. It means it's a 40% chance you don't versus the Mets have on a 100% chance to play in the NLDS. Right. And I, I know you're not, like, suggesting it's easier. But, you know, the Braves, definitely there's that added incentive of you don't want to play with fire, man. You really don't. And the Mets, you know, credit to them. You know, people are going to say, well, the Mets have an easier strength of schedule. That's why they're going to win a division. Well, they play the same games. You know, they, they play the same games. And the Mets have to play, play the Yankees every year. The Braves do not have to play the Yankees every year. So, you know, the Mets, you know, the Mets they have the same. I would argue the Mets have a slightly harder strength of schedule just because of that one fact. Um, you know, and... Okay, it, the Yankees aren't that good. Playing the Yankees versus playing, I believe the Braves play the Red Sox. I mean, who would you rather yeah. play? Twenty twenty two, like that. That's a that's a swing, right? Like that's right. The Mets have a harder the, schedule. The Mets might also play seven against the Dodgers, and the Braves play six against the Dodgers, or vice versa. So, like you never know what. Right, but the AL East, they always so the way it works is the Mets yeah, always know, play the Yankees. So the and you know the Braves always there's play always the a rival. Like every every NL team has an AL team that they have a rivalry with, even if they're sometimes a little bit artificial, just so that the Yankees can play the Mets. The Dodgers can play the Angels, uh, the Giants or can the, play the A's, and the, the White Sox can play the White yeah. Sox. Uh, all and those cross-town rivalries. And, like the, and the Orioles and, and Washington, right? Yeah, Orioles and Washington, Marlins and Rays, stuff like that. But, you know, it kind of is what it is with that. I don't think it really makes that big of a difference. Uh, right, no, I'm not series. saying it does. I'm, I'm just um, saying, like... You can't, like, use that as an excuse if you're the Mets, if you don't win the division. Like, this is... Oh, no, I'm not saying it's an excuse. I'm saying more so, like, if anyone wants to say the Mets are only going to win this... Are, you know, they win this division because the schedule is easier. Like, is that really winning the division? Yes. You, yeah, maybe I, it, I, I, maybe their schedule is easier now, but it's been a little be, bit more difficult. It'll even out. Right. My point is, you know, this type of stuff evens out, you know, the Braves, in my opinion, look, the way I see it is, you know, not to discount the Braves. They've had a great season. You know, the Mets have had an also great season, but you know, here's the thing. If you didn't get off to such a terrible start in the beginning of the year, you're probably close to this division. Um, you know, obviously they played very well ever since that. Um, but the Mets never really took their foot off the gas pedal. The Braves just played really good while the Mets were like good, but not great. Um, 
you know, I'm not going to sit here and crown the Mets yet because the division's not over. One game in the loss column, things can change like this. You know, the Mets lose two straight and the Braves win two straight. And I pro- this divisional odds of 78% for the Mets and 21% for the Braves is going to shift dramatically. Um, but you know what? Uh, these are two teams right here that I think would be the one seed in the American League. Um, maybe. I mean, I'm looking at the Astros. Mm, the Astros I don't know. I think good. the Astros probably still do. They're probably going to win 105 games. Right. I mean, I'm, um, yeah, I guess it depends on what division you throw them in, whatever it may be. But they, yeah, my point I mean, is, I don't know, because Houston's really good. Like, yeah, but I mean, I, I still I, I think I could take the Brave. I could sell Braves or Mets being the Astros. I think I could sell that talking. Point. I don't I know. I think and I think there's a really good chance it ends up being the World Series is one of those two teams against the Astros. Yeah, I mean, it's is for the they're gonna be that they're. I think it's either the Dodgers or an NL East team. I don't want to write off the Cardinals, but I think the Cardinals are pretty damn good too. I think they um, are. I just I I don't know. They have to like, play a wild we'll card see what, series. We'll see what happens. Like if the right if the right guys get hot, um, you know, talking about the, the Cardinals, they have both of the NL WAR leaders, uh, the top two. Um, Goldschmidt, I think, will win MVP. Whether or not he does. Whether like right now he probably does deserve it, but things can change in two weeks. He'll probably win it anyways. Um, pretty much no matter what, which is actually kind of stupid, but um, it is what it is. There, like Goldschmidt is only leading Arenado by point one WAR, only leading Machado by point three, and only leading Lindor and Freeman by point four. So that can change, especially with the way that Machado and Lindor have been swinging at least recently. Also, um, you could make a, a feat a feasible, not, not a concrete argument that Alcantara should be thrown in that mix. Um, oh, of course. Depending on, depending on how you view ERA versus FIP for production, which is a completely different argument, but um, you know, it, I, I agree on the sentiment that Goldschmidt has not run away. I, I, the offense is great. And I, and I want to respect that, but he hasn't necessarily run away with his award. Especially if, given that he's had like the worst defensive season of his entire career. Um Yeah. It's been bad. And but, on top of that, you know, it, we're, 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 we're kind of entering with the MVP debate. A big talking point is going to be wins above replacement in the American League. Uh, it would be kind of weird to not use it for the National League because we'll look at the offense. So, I mean, the shit that Aaron Judge is doing is unreal, though. Oh, like, of course. I mean, I think. Like, even a month ago, I was thinking, you know, I was on the Otani MVP train. I thought, you know, what he's doing, given that he plays both sides, you know, all of that, that he should win the MVP, it's Judge. And I don't care. I don't care if he wins the Triple Crown. It doesn't mean anything to me um, as far as his MVP case goes, which I think I don't understand fans. We're like, well, if he wins the Triple Crown, is the MVP. If not, it's Otani. That's a really stupid argument because, like, 0.01 in batting average doesn't mean shit to me. Yeah, if Xander but, Bogarts hits, you know, if Xander Bogarts hits 317, Aaron Judge hits 316. Oh no, Aaron Judge is the MVP. Like that has nothing, doesn't make any sense. It's, I, I don't think the Triple Crown, the stats really matter in it. It's just a cool award, I guess. It's kind of like one of those things where like, it's like winning the batting title, you know? It's, it's cool, it's, but it shouldn't matter for your MVP case. Right. It's um, like, what should matter for his MVP case is that he has 10.7 war, which is the best season we've seen since Bonds, um, just F word on an F word basis. You can make an argument since Betts missed games that, you know, he was better on a rate basis, but I just don't care. Yeah, um, if we're doing rate basis, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. Like, then you could say Soto was better in 2020 because it's a rate basis and he had a, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Soto, I believe, had the last 200 qualified 200 WRC plus in about 40 something games. Judge will do this unless yeah, if, something drastic happens in the last couple weeks of the season. 
and you know what? What one one final point with kind of like wrapping the MVP thing on my end. Obviously, you know, if you have any you know things you'd like to say extra, you know, the way I see it is, you know, if you want to say that Shohei Otani's value is so great that it accounts for, you know, how 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 great is the two way player value, right? You know, a lot of there are a lot of articles out there that discuss this, and a lot of the math points back to like half a war or maybe a war in the same vein that we would say war the error bar for it is about half a win to a win you know if you're within half a win or a win of someone you can reasonably claim they're around the same player um how are we going to sit here and say that you know a two war gap is now just subject that you can make a subjective claim uh to, to to boost someone else's value you know there's not math but a lot of the people claiming this aren't doing math to support it they're just saying it right they're just making the claim that it, that value should be closed up or that, you know, one is more historical, therefore it should uh, win the MVP. But again, if, and this kind of ruined the argument because now that judge is on a pace to win the triple crown and hit 60 home runs, you know, now that's the best argument for some people because that's become the historical one. I don't think the MVP is about history. I think the MVP is about who is the most, who is the best player in baseball, right? Value comes from production, right? How good are you? I don't care if you're, what you're doing is just like DeGrom, what he's been doing is historic. I don't, I think he's, Fabio Valdez set the record for most quality starts in a row. And he's ever. not the scion. And he's, he's, he's not going to fit. He's not going to get a single MVP vote, right? If we want to talk about history, historically speaking in the history of baseball, there have been more two-way players than there have been guys who have done what Framber Valdez is doing. Obviously two-way players are more impressive, but if we're talking about rarity, and right? that's such a stupid argument. It is. Uh, it's a dumb argument. And, and, I know and I know that's your point. But, yeah, but shout out Fabio Valdez. You look at the American but, uh, League, and a lot of people would argue that McClanahan should win the Cy Young. Um, it's got to be Verlander. It will be. Yeah, Verlander, Verlander at this point, um, you know. And I know some people are like, oh, it's his age. Like, no, it's, it has nothing to do with the fact that he's 40 years old. That's not gonna, it might get him extra votes with the, uh, with the Baseball Writers Association because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. But um, as far as, like, whether he deserves it or not, it's because he's so good. It has nothing to do with the fact that he's old or coming off an injury. He'd probably – he'll win comeback player of the year, too, I'm sure. Um, yeah. The only reason it ever became a debate was that he had an IL stint. If he, but then again, every – But then he came back from his IL stint and fucking shoved. So. Right, and then everyone besides Cease in that discussion – I mean, McClanahan had an IL stint. Um, I be, who else was in that discussion? Valdez didn't. Yeah, he didn't. But Valdez, the, it, the, I, it's weird. Valdez is such a weird case because it just feels like you can't pick him over Verlander because the, if the argument's ERA, you can't pick him over Verlander. The thing the about argument... Valdez that's so interesting, though, is like if you value the fact that he's so steady and consistent, then maybe you can make the argument. And I know I there are people him... who do. Because like there's people who say, like, oh, I'd rather have a chance to win every start. Valdez gives you a very, very good chance to win every single time he steps on the ground. The way I see it is Verlander and Valdez should, in my opinion, finish one. Or you could argue maybe Bieber, but I would go, I, I would take, you know, Verlander. And then I think Valdez should finish somewhere in that top three to four. I don't think Valdez should be left off top five. I would put him over McClanahan. You know, if you want to say, well, ERA doesn't matter nearly as much or ERA matters this amount or whatever. 
the the F war just straight up has Valdez better than McClanahan. I'm pretty sure the other variation RA nine war agrees with that. He's pitched more. Um, he's got he's gonna end up with almost 200 innings. I think Bieber also gonna end up with nearly 200 innings. Cease I think is a compelling case, but he's just not better than Verlander this year. Uh, you know, peripheral wise, yes, but I don't care about peripherals for the Cy Young. I care about your ERA, your FIP, your innings pitched, game started, you know, how many strikeouts do you have, all that stuff. I'm not going to be looking at your Sierra um, if there's a noticeable ERA and FIP gap. So going to side with Verlander there. I mean, definitely agree with that. Um, in the in the AL, the rookie of the year was interesting for a little while, but it'll definitely end up being um, Julio Rodriguez, right. who's so good. Um, yeah, I mean the the things that he's doing. He's the best player on that Seattle team, um, and you know in the NL we uh, Harris or Strider. Rookie of the year, it's got to be Harris or Strider. Um, it's an interesting argument. They're teammates, so it doesn't really matter that much. Um, at least to me, I'm like, oh well, the Braves fans are gonna be happy anyway, so who really cares? Um, yeah, it's. You got it's impressive guy, what Strider's done, especially given that he, you know, wasn't really expected to be this good. Also, this is his second professional season in baseball. That's that's the next thing. He 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 played his first pro ball season last year. Um, this year he's older though. Is he like twenty three? Yeah, but still, I mean, it's, so it's, did he was he a was he a four year guy in college then? He might have been. Last year he was 22. I mean, was he when did he turn? Oh, he turns 24 soon. So okay, he's dealing with an oblique thing. I think that's a. I definitely think that's just managing a his phantom. Yeah, yeah. phantom stint. Um, I, oh, you know what's give... so you know what's so funny to me is um, I have never in my life seen a fan, uh, a manager get put on the phantom IL. Um, oh, Larusa, it's, it's actually fucking hilarious yeah, to me. That one's obvious. That um. That Larusa is just like it, it almost seems like they're firing him without actually firing him. And they got a clean house, man. I know there are people saying, uh, I think John Heyman said this yesterday at some point where he, he might have tweeted it, where he was like, you know, I would expect Larusa to move into a front office role and, um, and, you know, so that they could hire a new manager without actually firing him and make him like some kind of, you know, made up associate or whatever um just so that you know obviously so that they can move a new guy into their manager spot i feel i know that maybe i know he might not have much influence but i feel like putting him anywhere close to player development uh roster operations yeah i feel like that's the same that's like if i just set a match on fire and just Put it right on top of my desk. I have a wooden desk. I have all my equipment here. I just sat it right there. I was like, all right, we'll see what, you know, I don't have anywhere else to put you. I'll just put you right on my desk. Um, the White Sox got a clean house, man. Like Rick Hahn's got to go. Everyone's got to go, dog. Ethan like, Katz can stay. Yes, but that's it. Like, dude, it, everyone's got it. If I'm Ethan Katz, I'm getting the fuck out of there. You know, I'm, I'm finding another job, dude. I'm going. And, and I'm there are somewhere. teams that would take him. You know what? Find uh, you know what? Find one of these up and coming teams, dude. You know, maybe go go to the Phillies. I know the Phillies are a shit show, but go to the Phillies, dog. At least you spend money, and you know you'll be an okay baseball team. Go somewhere. Go anywhere. Get the fuck out of. Go to. No, I guess Baltimore's already good pitching wise. Go to like fucking Minnesota. Go anywhere, dude. Anywhere. I know Minnesota's not even that great. Just get out of there. You got to get out of there. 
go to fucking you want to go to texas or maybe seattle or uh, seattle's pretty good pitching wise too um I'm just trying to think what are some teams that just don't have good pitching coaching uh, or don't have great go to, go, go to St. Louis, go to St. Louis. That's what you should do. Ethan Katz. You don't have to move much. Just go on down to St. Louis, go play for a storied franchise or uh, not play, go coach for a storied franchise. They need the pitching development. They kind of stink at that. Um, go fix Jack Flaherty or some shit. Uh, you know, the Cardinals fans will love you if you just, you know, make everyone throw sinkers because they have the greatest infield defense I'll ever see in my life. Um, exactly. They're going to have Mason win, and, you know, they're going to do this and that. Like, just go, go, go. Get the fuck out of there. Get out. Go. Leave. We can talk I, about, um, yeah, I mean, just with Flaherty and, and how he's kind of not been the same the last couple of, I guess, years now. Yeah, last um, year his ERA was fine, but this year he's just bad. He's just bad. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. And obviously Injury. there's still potential there, but we'll see. Like if the Card if the Cardinals can get Brian Flaherty in the playoffs, they're dangerous. Yeah, I don't think they will, but you know, if they if if they do, yeah. He, he pitched pretty well play. yesterday, I think. Yeah, he's just a weird pitcher. I mean, he he walked quite a few guys, um, which is a little concerning. A bunch I don't, of strikeouts though. Yeah. So the, the, con- the, the concern is just the consistency. What Jack Flaherty am I getting? Am I getting the one that pitches and gets, you know, loses command? What's the velocity going to look like? like? Even in that start, his velocity fluctuated a lot. Early on, he was sitting 90-91. He revs it up to 95. You're like, okay. Um, but, you know, dude, the, the Cardinals, they're a team that, you know, we, we both know. They're, one, they're kind of that weird tier between, like, those top tier teams and like, Oh my gosh, you could almost say that they're kind of on their own. I'd put them like, if you tiered the MLB teams right now, I'd go Houston, uh, LA, New York, Atlanta, um, New York Mets and Yankees, both New York teams. Yeah. I would um, throw both. Are kind of in that top tier. Those are like the top five teams in the league. Right. And then that second level I'd go, you know, it's, it's Seattle, it's Toronto. It's the Cardinals and it's the Guardians, and I think everyone Rays, else is at least. The there. I, I think everyone else is at least a tier below them, including the, the Rays. I don't think they're that good. I don't trust the Rays, and I know this is like it's really you know it's really irresponsible of me to do this. Not trust the Rays. I don't trust them. I get it. No, they they are they're a weird team because there's you know they've really taken a step back from last season this year defensively we talked about this where they're just not the team they were and it was kind of like a weird unit but they pitch very well the offense has been better so i trust them to go out and make noise in october um i trust them to be around where the mariners i think they're gonna lose to seattle so i think it's a quick yeah for them but you know it's that's a coin flip right you know these matches are coin flip and i kind of see it as like do i think the rays are a team that can you know get to the alcs yeah do i think they will no because i'll have to play the Astros in the first round most likely uh, unless they fall to the sixth seed um, right and it's kind of the same way the astros I, I almost feel like playing the astros before the alcs is a death sentence right and i, I feel the same way kind of with the dot with the cardinals in the sense that like if they played not the Dodgers in the first round alongside playing a wild card series in that first round, which could be against Philly, like facing Zach Wheeler and Aranola, like that's not fun. You know, even in St. Louis, that's just not fun. Um, you know, that and I think be... they host the whole series, right? It's all right. three games are in the yeah, same even city. if you're playing it in St. Louis, it's, it's not um, fun. Yeah, I don't know. But isn't it all three games are in the same city, but you play a home game on the road or something? No, like that? I think that was only, I think, no, it's like the wild card from 2020 where it's just, you're just the home team the whole way through all three games. Um, 
But, you know, like the Cardinals have probably, you know, you, you couldn't reasonably pit, put a better than like 53, 54, 55, maybe even percent chance of them beating the Phillies. Um, so there's a good, there's a, there's a 45% chance you don't make it to the NLDS. And then against the Dodgers, you're not going to be favored. So you have a really low chance against the NLCS, which is only, which is kind of the, the death sentence for the Cardinals. there. just, they didn't play well enough to get that by. They're going to have a tough first round matchup. They're going to have a very, very, very tough, daunting NLDS matchup if they make it to the NLDS. Uh, whereas for the Rays, it's the same situation, right? And this is why I feel a little bit better about, you know, whoever that six seed in uh, the American league is going to be in comparison to the other two wildcard teams, because I feel like you're going to, you might be favored somehow in that first round. Um, even if it's slightly, you'll be favored and your odds against the Yankees are better than your odds against the Astros. Even though I do think the Yankees are better than any of the matchups they'll get in the wild card round. Uh, Cause you can't get Houston in the wild card round. And you know, yeah. I don't want so I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, but if you're Seattle, right? Like if I'm Seattle, I'll probably have, you know, not similar, kind of similar to the Cardinals and Phillies. You're not going to see yourself at like a 30% chance only to beat the Yankees in a five game series. You'll probably see yourself in that 40 to 45% range comfortably. And you'll take those odds when you're a team that's, you know, the lower seed, right? Whereas the Dodgers are going to be heavily favored against the Cardinals. Like, you know, it's it's not going to, not that it's not going to be close, but we're going to see maybe a 65% chance. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like if you're in odds, I'd say that the the Yankees, you were talking about the Yankees, right? And the and the Mariners. Where it's going to be um, not paid. Where it'd probably be like, you know, they'd be minus maybe 150, 160 to win the series. Um, whereas the Dodgers would probably be minus 200 at least. Um, yeah. But I think that's good. So we can wrap up here. Um, thank you everyone for listening and we will see you in episode 71. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.